Hello, everyone. Welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So, a lot of stuff to kind of cover today. I'm going to try to make it short, and that's usually how I roll here. I was actually looking through my news feed, and I was um, came across something that uh, my mentor, Bob Worley, and you guys know him from the Camp of the Unknown God. I've had a several different podcast episodes with him concerning Jehovah's Witness, his ministry again at the Camp of the Unknown God over at Burning Man. And one of it was he posted something that I thought was very important. And mind you, I'm going to talk about several things on this podcast. One is going to be about the New Age belief system or post, <clears throat> post-modernism. That's what I was looking at. Now, it's interesting because in postmodernism, a lot of people like to believe that there is no absolute truth. I mean, that's what's preached on open, Oprah Winfrey a lot. Um, preach your own truth or speak your own truth. I've talked to many people where I work at who believe that truth is, they believe in the truth, right? Everyone does. Everyone acts like, um, whether it's political, religious, or social lifestyle, everyone believes in some type of truth. When you're talking about it, like if you say Donald Trump was the greatest president in the world, people will say that's not true. And usually have those people who will say that will most likely say, well, you need to talk about your own truth which means truth is subjective. But anyways, the new world, the new age religion or postmodernism, um, is really actually stems from the Church of Satan. It's interesting because um, Anton LaVey, hope I didn't butcher his last name, he was the founder of the Church of Satan. And he wrote, a, a, a this is quoted from him, In the sources of books lining the shelves of New Age bookstores, there are instructions for guided meditation, creative visualizations, out-of-body experiences, getting out of touch with your, getting in touch with your spiritual guides, fortune telling by cards, crystal balls, or the stars. What if Satanists reclaim these for their own dark purposes and integrated them into the rituals dedicated to the devil? where they uh, rightfully belong. Now, New Age has, have freely drawn upon all matter of satanic material, adapting it to their own hypothetical purpose. Oh, sorry, hypocritical purposes. But in truth, all New Age labeling is, again, trying to play the devil's game without using his infernal name. In essence, it's if you if you caught on where I'm coming from on here already, but I'm going to go ahead and say it if just in case you haven't gotten there. What they're trying, what he's trying to state is that it's the same car just painted a different color. So Satan has really made a New Age world belief system or postmodernism that you would find over at Burning Man to really be about your own truth. Find your own truth. All religions are equally the same. This is exactly what Satan wants to have done. This is his game. This is what he plays by. A lot of Christians in the church will come out and say, <clears throat> they believe when I say Satan to them, they think, oh, it's a, it's a it looks like a evil guy, red skin, horns popping out, pocking out you know, of his head, and he has evil, like, sharp teeth going, <laughs> and he's sitting in hell laughing and fire and brimstone. <laughs> Look at me. But realistically, Satan doesn't do that. I have never come across biblically where Satan is standing there going, ah, ha, 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 in heaven laughing and that. 
his butt off, whatnot. In fact, the only time I come across the beast or the um, the deceiver, the son of the morning li- uh, of the morning star, um, the Satan, is when he is in hell, and he's not there laughing and chuckling, having a great time, burning your butt in hell, and you know, and stowing the flames that are continuously burning in the fiery pit. In fact, he's down there gnashing his teeth in eternal torment because that's what the ultimate goal is. I don't find it anywhere in the Bible where Satan is going, oh, he's just sitting in hell right now. In fact, it says that he is wandering the earth. In fact, one of the first times you come across in the book of Job, you actually have Satan you know, coming before God, and God says, where have you been? And he goes, I've been going hither and there across, across the world. He's not in hell, guys. He's running around the world, and he's creating all sorts of stuff. Anything that leads you away from Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is from Satan. God can't do that. All good and um, righteous things come from God. But anything that pushes you away from the Lord Jesus Christ, it's found in the Bible. Anything is satanic. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be performing one of those Hollywood movies where you're going to be like, you know, like the, uh, like the, I don't know, exorcism or paranormal activity and levitation thrown against walls. Someone having a demon in their cell and they're run, running up the walls, being vomiting out their mouth or puking up blood or, you know, what, you know, you can guess the Hollywood thing. I mean, we've all seen it. What we do see is Satan taking things that average American families, even Christian families consider to be okay. Like I was talking about Burning Man. You go out there, oh, peace, love, man. Just everyone, just good vibes going around, man. And honestly, I've been around that. I have been. It's been great. It's been fantastic. Satan isn't creating something that's going to make you feel that. Like sin. I love what Billy, Billy Graham said. The late Billy Graham said that sin is not painful. Sin does not suck. In other words, it's not a, sin is fantastic. It feels good. That's why we do sin. And I agree. Sin feels truly fantastic to do. But it kills you. It destroys you. It's like taking cancer cells, taking a giant clump of cancer, swallowing it into your body, or I should say rat poison. Let's let's take rat poison, for example. You take rat poison, and you pour a lot of sugar into it, put Kool-Aid like Jim Jones did, and then you drink this poison. It tastes probably tastes fantastic, but it just it destroys your body. Same kind of concept. When Satan comes to you, he doesn't come with fire and brimstone. He comes with something that feels great and will tell you how wonderful you are. He won't tell you that you're a horrible sinner, unless of course you're a Christian. Then he changes his tactics and says, "Look, God can't accept you because you're a sinner. Look at you. You did this wrong and this wrong." He comes as the accuser. The Bible states that clearly. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes as the accuser. He accuses you. But if you're not a Christian, then why would he want to come and accuse you? The only time, the only one who comes and actually convicts you is the Holy Spirit. And its entire reason the Holy Spirit does that is to lead you to Jesus Christ, to repentance, then to Jesus Christ. So this whole New Age system that we're looking at, which is premised on Satanism, according to Anton Levin, uh, butchering his name, let me look at it one more time just to make sure. Yeah, Anton Levin. Uh, L-A-V-E-Y, if you guys are interested in looking him up, he actually stated, this is from the Church of Satan. This is actually all satanic things. I I don't agree with Sat- uh, with um, Anton, like philosophically. Um, I don't agree with him theologically whatsoever. But I got to admit, the guy has some brutal on his points, but he is a liar. He lies about a lot of things. But this particular thing, 
He's not, because I can easily see how truthful it is. So we're seeing that new age system that comes into play. Now, <clears throat> the only way to really understand truth, because I know a lot of people who are into new age, into postmodernism, are seeking truth. They want that. And what Satan comes in, in all these different forms, even Satan uses good people we would consider to be good by Earth's, by mankind's standards. The reason I say mankind is because if we're talking, you know, it's like in, God, in a, what was it, in Left Behind with Kirk, uh, Kirk Cameron in there. What do you say? You know, I'm a good person. According to whose standards? Your standards or God's standards? The same thing applies. If we say these people at Burning Man are good, well, which standards are you applying to? I'm guessing human standards, earthly standards, which would say, which earthly standards would say everyone's really good. I'm a great guy to uh, earthly standards. I am perfect. I haven't done anything really wrong. And if I have, I can just dismiss as being human. But if I put it as God's standards, I flunk horribly. In fact, everyone does. That's the whole point of the um, book of Romans. All follow the glory of God. No one stands righteous. No, not one. So what we're looking at is people, if you're going through this, if you see people who are going through this, the number one thing I would say is you need to come to Jesus Christ. But something interesting happens when you bring up the name of Jesus Christ in these type of circles. Suddenly the room from, I because I've done this before, I've talked to people who have gone to Burning Man. I haven't gone to Burning Man. I've talked to people who have gone. <clears throat> and I've talked to him openly about it. I talked about who Jesus Christ is. And I noticed something interesting. When people who claim to be so open and tolerant, and this is going to lead us into the other part of the discussion I'm going to be having with you guys today. When people who claim to be so open and tolerant, who are like these new age belief people who believe in postmodernism, they're so open about everything. But then as soon as you start pointing out who Jesus Christ is to them, they get very hostile. Because remember, the earth, um, that the earth loves the darkness. Mankind loves the darkness and does not want to come to light lest their deeds be exposed. This is found in John chapter 3, um, 316, um, and later on, just a couple verses in. Light has come into the world, but mankind loves the darkness instead of light and will not come to light lest their deeds be exposed, right? But those who live by light come to light so their deeds may be shown as to glorify God, to be from from the Father himself. So, what you're seeing is people are against this whole system. I've come across that so much. They're against Jesus. They're against who he stands for. And that's, I've had conversation with people who are postmodernists, and I asked them one simple question Dr. Frank Turk taught, and I use it over and over again. If Christianity were true, would you be a Christian? You're obviously a truth seeker going to this thing called Burning Man. You obviously are doing this. And I know they don't want Jesus Christ to be true. They're just looking for truth. They're looking for the satisfaction. They're looking for salvation. They're looking for something to fill that God-sized hole in their heart that they can't get their hands on. It's intangible. It's like, I'm trying to find peace by watching lots of YouTube, but I can't find it until you stop and go, wait a second, I need to read the Bible because I'm looking for the world to comfort me and I can't find comfort in the world because there is no comfort in the world. There are nice people in the world, but of course, there are earthly standards. Like there are people who help an old lady cross the street who will save a dog. But if I'm looking for true comfort, if I'm looking for eternal comfort, something that's not just satisfied for five minutes before you know next news flash comes on and it causes all sorts of hell, I have to look for something that's the eternal. That would be Jesus Christ. But whenever I bring it up, they get very hostile towards it. They don't want Jesus Christ. So when I ask them, if if Christianity were true, would you be a Christian? A lot of these people say no. They don't. I would not be a Christian. And then that's when you realize it's not. It's because Christianity. You won't become a Christian if Christ is true, because you want to be God over your own life. You want to rule your own life. You're God. There's only one throne in your heart, and there's there's you and there's Christ. 
Those are the two people. And the only question you got to ask is, is Christ on the throne or are you on the throne? Remember, the throne's only suited for one person. It can't fit two. It's not a love scene. It ain't a couch, right? It's only one. I'd like to call it the recliner because I enjoy recliners. So sue me. I know a lot of people who do. But it's a recliner. It's a one-person recliner. And if you try to fit two people on, it's not going to work whatsoever. It's going to break or it's just not going to be pretty. It's not going to function whatsoever. So yes, it's not a love seat. It's not a couch. It's a recliner. So who sits on the throne? You or God? And that's what he says, straight up. Who's Lord of your life? God or you? And a lot of people like themselves to be on the throne. They want to rule their own lives. They want to be Lord of their own lives, King of their own lives. And God gets in their way. So that's a major issue. And the only way you're going to know, because I understand the people who are seeking are, are desperate. I say they're desperate because they're suffering from things like depression drug addiction, porn addiction. I know people are destroying other people's lives and relationships because they, you know, they're trying to find some sort of fulfillment and they can't find it. I'm telling you right now, if you're listening to this podcast and if you know somebody who's going through all these kind of like transgenderism, um, if they're gay, if they're lesbian, whatever it may be, come to Jesus Christ. You're not going to find any fulfillment. You know you're not going to find fulfillment. There's no way in heck you're going to find fulfillment. Stop kidding yourself. I can't solve your problem on this podcast. I don't know anyone that can solve your problem. I can only point you to the one I know. His name is Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus of Nazareth. That's the only person I know who can fix my problems and yours. Now, here's the next one. The problem issue. Now, I was looking at, um, I was hearing more and more in the news about, um, and this is where we're going to talk about the news, but I'm going to bring up some help into this. Okay, so bear with me. I know that several episodes have kind of a difficult time on that. So here we go. The news points out that white supremacy, the news, quote unquote, right, points out white national supremacists are the biggest threat to America. Right? We've all heard that if you turn on MSNBC, on CNN, if you turn on NPR or whatever, they always talk about the same thing. Right? And everyone has this conversation that white people are so evil. That's pretty much what's happening. It's no different than the Nazis back in the 1930s. I've said this before. I'll say it again. They came out and said the Jews are responsible for diseases. They destroyed our economy. They're destroying our great uh, motherland of uh, Germany. Thump your, thump your fist on your chest in pride. Well, <clears throat> it was interesting. Because I'm listening to more and more of this. And I'm realizing, again, that we all know who's causing the trouble. Let's not kid ourselves. Most people I talk to know it's a Democratic Party, the Marxist Party. So instead of me ranting on about that, what should we do as Christians about this issue of race? I was asked by my, one of my pastors at my church, uh, Pastor West, to come out and talk to him about this. I will be doing it. But I made me, his um, question to me to ask me to come do it, to have coffee made me think really long and hard about what race plays in the Christian Christianity in the church. First of all, in the church, when it comes down to things like critical race theory, which is what is kind of being pushed into the church. And then Satan is really using that. And it is a satanic attack to kind of manipulate the church into what are we doing as Christians with the church? You know, the church doing to do it. There's a guy who, um, who actually was talking about this and was saying about how, um, racism in the church and what have we done about this? Um, 
this guy uh, was the writer called The Color of Compromise. And it was, prem- was premised off of what the Christian church has done to end racism and whatnot. Have we done enough? Have we been colorblind in the church? And I saw it, and it, really when I listened to this guy, and I listened to what he was talking about, I watched YouTube videos where he was doing Q&As. I listened to people who had reviewed the book. Um, I started skimming through the book and reading it. And what I started realizing is this guy sounds just like Howard Zen. Uh, Howard Zen was a uh, falsified historian. I'll look some more up onto him to let you guys know that's another episode to discuss on. But he basically falsified American history and then preached it to the celebrities and big politicians and big people who were really famous and important to push a narrative that America was systemically evil and racist. And same thing with this guy. He's basically stating that the Christian church, the white church, hasn't done enough, has kind of just gone colorblind. Well, here's my answer to this. First of all, the Christian church, the true church, I don't see a... Uh, I know blacks like to call, I've talked to many people who are black, and I heard this one time from Michael Tate from um, Newsboys. He called it the chocolate church. And I know nowadays when you hear that, many people on the political correctness side will say, you can't call it the chocolate church, just like you can't call, say, uh, nigga in the world, right? You can't go out there and go, yo, what up, nigga, like that. Oh, because only blacks are allowed to say that. But on this podcast, I say things like that because, you know what? It's my podcast, and I believe in telling the truth and being non-politically correct whatsoever. And again, if you're offended by this stuff, you can go ahead and turn off the podcast. That's your choice. Anywho, so when I have people coming forward and saying things like that and saying, oh my gosh, look at this, you know, the Christian church did this or that, there is no Christian church as in a chocolate church or a white church or a black church, whatever you want to do. In fact... I pull my my ideology about the Christian church, what we are as a church, by the Bible. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, and this is the NIV version. There's no neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is there is there nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that interesting, folks? Galatians, Paul writes about that. And says there is, and these, these things, I know that he doesn't say, oh, a black church, a white church, this church, but these were status symbols, the same way that we see ourselves in our society nowadays. We see each other, at least that's what we're seeing mostly in our societal status, is are you black, are you white, are you Asian, oh, are you Jewish, are you, you know, the black, are you a nigga, are you not nigga, are you what, you know, all these different things. That is what we see each other as. In the church, it's like, are you a chocolate church, are you a white church? Oh, this person, this is an or this is a Lutheran church, this is a Methodist church, this is a Nazarene. And I'm looking and going, I hate the denominations. I hate all that. I really do, to the bottom of the court. I hate that. I think it's stupid. They're like, well, well, we have different points of view. Okay, you can have different points of view, but Paul points out this. There is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, man or woman. None of that. We're one in Christ. If we're all one in Christ. Why are we causing different denominations? Why are we focused on race? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want to go on to this. So, so I see the church as one is what I'm trying to say here. The church is one. There's not anything else. It's one. I guess I just talked about the denominations. I don't like the denominations. But going on to the whole premise of um, about racism, let me give you a little historical perspective here. 
Christians were the ones who founded America, Plymouth Rock. The Puritans came over from England because they were being persecuted for not being Catholic and believing what the Pope was saying. They came here to escape that. That is a fact. The Mayflower Compact was the first type of constitution of the United States, which was between the sailors and the captain and these Puritans in a written agreement of how they're going to live their lives as they travel across. The written standard agreement. They came here to escape persecution. So the Christian church, when it first came over, didn't recognize it. In fact, the Christian church, when they first showed up and there were Indians here, Native Americans, Indians, I don't care. Their first thing was not to conquer them. Their first thing then was to do, and they could wrote it in their journals about the Mayflower and the people in those colonies, were to live in peace. That was their first and highest aspiration. Live in peace. That's why when you see the Native Americans, you see that Thanksgiving thing that now the political left says is not acceptable. It is horrid racism and white supremacy. All these bad words they like to throw at it to trigger people. Shows Indians and pilgrims eating Thanksgiving dinner together. That actually was happening. Because the Puritans, the Christians, did not believe in conquering. They believe in loving each other, loving God, and loving each other. That's what takes place. The Revolutionary War was because the king was taking away your inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit, and happiness because God gave them to you. Why do you think the First Amendment exists? The freedom of speech, the freedom of religion. These are all premised on what the Bible teaches, that Christ has died for our sins and has liberated us. We are set free. We are meant to worship God as he has called us to worship. Not all of us worship the same way. Some of us can sing songs. Some people do works and where they build things up. Some people are really good at taking care of the elderly. Some people are really good at prayer. Some people like me do apologetics. Everyone's called to different causes, but they're all there. That's all different forms of worshiping God, to worshiping Yahweh, to honoring God. The Puritans came over. They started this. The colonies were primarily Christian. The church was massive. Yeah, they were against the three-cent tax. I get that. And that was a Boston Tea Party, which really kind of sparked everyone else. But it was. But when you read the Declaration of Independence in its entirety, you find out that the tea tax was pretty, pretty much just the, the nail in the coffin, the, the last straw that breaks the camel's back. That's what that was. The rest of it was against the king persecuting them, hurting them, being unjust doing things that were not accepted. You know, things that Christians in the Bible are called, that we are called to wanting justice. We are called to wanting fairness. We call we are called to do things that are righteous and pure and true. We are called to do those things and to demand of these things. When an injustice happens, God demands justice be done as a good and loving God and a good and loving just um, just God. What happened later on? Oh, slavery exists in America. Yeah, and guess who the heck started the war to end slavery? Rich white guys who were Christians who and preachers who were Christians who stood against it because God says we are all created equal, that we are all created in the image of God. We are born with intrinsic value and innate worth, that God has created us all. For surely I knew you before the earth was created, God said. I created you for a purpose. 
I knew you before you were born. I, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I knew you. God says he knows you. He's always known you. So therefore, God says, I would turn around and say slavery. Oh, well, slavery was uh, in the Bible. Yeah, slavery is in the Bible. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Feel free to read it anytime you want. But the reason is, is because it was legislation for, the, for a theocracy of Israel. Why did God allow these bad things to happen inside Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Oh, that's an easy one. How about when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the Pharisees said, hey, back in our time, back in the day, Moses allowed us to have divorce. He said, go ahead and write a certificate for divorce. How come, you know, you said it's wrong. How come, how come you allow it then? You know, you said slavery is wrong. How can you allow it then? Jesus says it perfectly, and I believe it applies to every single thing, slavery included. Jesus says the reason Moses allowed you to do it because God allowed it because of the hardness of your hearts. Mankind wants to do their own thing. God never wanted it. It was never his plan since the beginning. He never intended for that to happen. We created it. God gives us free will. Now, it's like this. Here's how God gives us free will. You can walk up to somebody and you can either feed them or punch them in the face that day. Or you don't have to do any of the above. If you decide to hold your fist back and throw it into that person's wonderful face, God's not going to suddenly put up, magically put a piece of plexiglass between you and that person. He's going to let you hold back your fist and hit the person. He will. Unless he does a divine thing and stops you somehow. That's equally possible. But for the majority of the world, he allows you to punch a person in the face. But he will hold you accountable to what you've done. That's what God says. I will hold these people accountable on the judgment day. Simple enough. So when we talk about what has the white Christian church really done to make things fairer or better? Uh, everything. The only reason it's been held up is because sinful people, like the one bringing up the question, who's questioning how much good you've done, like when you question God and say, oh, how, you don't do this. Uh, have you looked in the mirror recently? <laughs> you know, well, why do bad things happen? Free will. I don't know, why do you keep sinning? Why do you keep doing it? God doesn't want you to. He already wrote it down. You know he doesn't want you to. Why are you doing it? So we're talking about that, and it's like, oh, the Christian church is so blind. Oh, civil rights movement. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the guy's name? Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Reverend, a pastor, led the civil rights movement against segregation, followed by other pastors. Oh, what about Billy Graham during segregation? Didn't he take down the ropes that kept the blacks and whites separated and let people intermingle with each other? Oh, wait! Wasn't Billy Graham an evangelical minister? Oh, that's right, he was, huh? That's the answer. Christians were the ones who sought out to end oppression of a king run the Underground Railroad to liberate slaves, and then fought a bloody civil war to end it, and then fought a war to end segregation. Hmm. We'd be like, well, what about those Christians who didn't? Are they really Christians? Last time I checked, it's like, kind of like this. I would talk to like a Muslim, right? And I'd say, they go, I, I, I said, I had the same kind of conversation with a Muslim. And they're like, we'll see, the, the Christians did bad things. You know, what about Salem witch trials? What about the whole crusades? What about slavery? And I go, you're right. 
some of those slave owners, a lot of those slave owners said they were quote unquote Christian. A lot of those people are in the Salem trials said they were quote unquote Christian and so on and so forth. I go, well, you know what? I turned around. I said, you know what? I can't believe in I can't believe in Islam because terrorists struck the World Trade Center and destroyed it, killing people in the Pentagon. They were out there blowing themselves in holy jihad over in Israel and Afghanistan. They were raping little girls, um, raping women, abusing them, catching people on fire. And he goes, no, 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 hey, you can't see. He goes, hey, hold on a second. That's, that's pretty Islamophobic. I go, really? Is it? Aren't you being a bit Christ-phobic right now? Because what you're doing is saying, oh, look at all these horrible things Christians have done. Well, what about you? And he goes, well, that's not real Islam. And I go, really? Well, how can you tell it's not real Islam? He goes, of course, I know it is real Islam because I've read the, um, the Quran, Hadith, and Sharia. I've read those things. So, anywho, he went, well, no, it's because that's his, according to his opinion, he goes, it's not truth. It's not true. It's not what, the, it's not what we're taught. I go, huh. And when have you read the Bible? When have you compared the actions of slave, Christian slave owners, crusaders, and witch trial people? Hmm? When did you do that? They really became quiet. There's your answer. So when I look at this, I go, the way we can find hope out of all this, because these are all fertile arguments, just futile arguments. Read your Bible. Know there is hope only in Jesus. If you're looking for peace, the only way you're going to find is Jesus, no matter what you do. I can't fix you. Your parents can't fix you. Your spouse can't fix you. Trust me, they can argue with you all they want and try to do it. But women and men, Stop trying to fix your significant other. You're never going to be able to. Period. End of story. The only way you're going to find peace, hope, is through Christ. The only way you're going to find change in transforming yourself and the world around you is through Christ. But you've got to come recognize you're a sinner. Recognize you need a Savior. This is the difficult part. Then recognize who Jesus Christ is, that he lived a perfect life that you could never live, that I could never live. We're on the same boat there, brother or sister. We're on the same boat. But then he took the punishment that you and I deserve. And when you, I won't go in depth into this podcast, this particular episode. I'm pretty sure when I make that episode, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to give you very strong discretion about what you're listening because I'm going to go in bloody graphic detail. You better believe it. He suffered. He was nailed to a cross. And just side note, to the, when someone gets nailed to a cross, they don't bleed out. But anyhow, he suffered on the cross and then he died. And most importantly of all, after being buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, three days later, he rose from the dead. And then after about a month, he arose to, uh, ascended into heaven. It is wise to put your faith into him. And ultimately, he's the only way you're going to be able to accomplish anything in this life. Anything at all. Well, I should say, you can accomplish things without Jesus. But what really matters in life, really matters, cannot be accomplished without him. You can make money in this life, but you'll never be able to accomplish things. A good family, a loving community, and the true Absolute gems, gold, di- diamonds, and, and everything that you find in real life, you'll never accomplish it without them. 
You're up creek without a paddle. You'll never make it. You need Jesus. So anywho, I look forward to speaking to you guys again. And may God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.